it was demoralizing, right? I mean, I kind of poured my energies and my heart into the pursuit and the um, the award of the project, and I find out that I wasn't going to be able to be part of the project. It was a blessing in disguise at the end of the day because. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 2% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Lead the Team Nation, welcome back. Here we go today with Mark Merchant, who is the CEO of LS3P, an architecture, interiors, and planning firm headquartered here in Charleston, South Carolina, founded back in 1963 with offices spread across 11 cities across the Southeast with work in over 35 states. Now back to Mark, he has a he has 23 years at this company and focuses on advancing LS3P's vision and strategic initiatives, building relationships and cultivating a culture of collaborative engagement. Now LS3P is deeply committed to the communities in which it serves, which if you come here in Charleston, South Carolina, you will see their work everywhere and how they're involved in the community. And they've been honored with over 580 design awards in diverse practice areas. Mark, welcome to Lead the Team. Ben, it's great to be with you. And thank you for a very kind introduction about how wonderful it is to be with a company like LS3P. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it, it has been great. Uh, I've been in Charleston, I think, for 15 years now, and it's been great to see uh, how quickly the firm has grown. But let's go back in the vault for a second. Tell me, tell me about the first time that you applied for a job at LS3P. Oh, great question, Ben. So I'm a third-year student in undergraduate school and um, ready to um, get a little bit of experience in the architecture profession. Um, it, it, at the time, it was kind of difficult. You know, the economy wasn't fantastic, but LS3P uh, was certainly the preeminent firm in Charleston. And at the time, that was their only office. And uh, mm -hmm. I was excited, had an opportunity uh, to interview with them to get a summer job before going into my senior year, and they wouldn't hire me. <laughs> And so, you know, I thought I had a good interview. Um, it was basically, look, I'll sweep the floors. I'll make copies. I just want to get some experience in the profession and learn from the best. And uh, after after what I thought was a good interview, you know, the call was, you know, we, we're just we can't hire this summer. And I thought, well, golly, so much for that. And um, I went back to my original first job, which was putting in irrigation systems underground. So, uh, but it did light a fire in my belly about, you know, how do I um, let this firm know that they can't live without me, which of course is not true. But um, I went back and I asked again and they hired me again. And the rest, as they say, is history. So, um, it was, wow. it was, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. What a story, especially for someone who ends up becoming the CEO. You're like, man, you didn't hire me as an intern that first go around, but I'm going to be CEO of this company one day. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch. Well, thinking about your irrigation role, and I'm curious, and we often ask this question, 
what was it about that job, you know, and, and what, how did it influence uh, your leadership today? I guess irrigation and installation being the first. Yeah, I, I think, um, well, first of all, I mean, it's, it's just one of those kind of jobs where it's, it's hard work, you know, you're, you're digging mm-hmm. holes, you're, you're navigating trees and houses and sideways or side sidewalks and, and driveways and, and trying to um, install an irrigation system. And um, here I am doing this as a summer gig, but the, the guys I'm <laughs> working with are, are full-time mm-hmm. uh, irrigation installation folks. And I think one thing that I noticed was that showing up for work is really important. I mean, I know that sounds simple, but mm-hmm. it's, we started at six o'clock, six thirty in the morning uh, to beat the heat, and we would yep. usually work till about three or four um, uh, in the summer times. And there were a few folks that were um, not so regular at showing up, and you could tell right off the bat how much that irritated uh, the the guy running the job. And um, and just the the mm. simple act of show up, right? And then and then do your best, obviously. Now. Installing irrigation is somewhat of an art, uh, somewhat of a science. It's um, there's only so much you can do there, but how do you how do you do it the best way? And, um, you know, as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid in, in the summers, uh, earning a earn, earning some good spending money, some pocket money, um, just noticing that hard work pays off and um, an appreciation for getting up every morning and doing a good job and having a smile on your face matters. And. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of simple stuff, but it matters to me till to this day. So so overlooked the fundamentals, and I think yeah. you know, I you can even run with that idea. So if it, there's 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 the physically showing up at work, and then there's also the mentally and emotionally yeah. showing up at work to put in the yeah. emotional capital to be there mentally. Because you've probably seen people, I've seen people that uh, in your company or outside the company, you know, they're there but they're not fully invested in the project or they're not right. fully invested. And, and there's a big difference in the impact that you make as a leader and that. What Absolutely. You, so uh, what, what do you, what do you do to sort of encourage yourself to show up every day? Obviously people are going to know if the CEO is not there every day, but, but if you, you know, you, ups and downs of business, you know, you win some, you lose some when it, when it comes to, to, to deals. I mean, what, what do you do to sort of encourage yourself and then also do that for others? Well, to me, it's so much about what's next. Um, in any business, there's challenges every day. In, in our world as a professional service firm, uh, we have to earn our business every day. And sometimes um, that is responding to call for proposals or RFQs um, and submitting work and interviewing and hoping you get the job. A lot of times it's about developing relationships, which takes a long time. Those relationships mm-hmm. become the catalyst for um, a client asking you to serve them uh, with your services. And um, and that's hard work, right? Um, but yeah. f- for the jobs that we don't win, that can be demoralizing. Uh, and, and so to me, it's less about the, not the project. It's, it's not about the project you didn't win. It's about the next project that you have the opportunity to mm-hmm. win or the next relationship you have an opportunity to create for the project down the line. For me, and, and and that's that's sort of related to everyone in our business, I guess. For me, in my role, it's how do I create opportunity for people to succeed every day? Whether mm-hmm. that's working with our board to develop policy, which um, creates a, a safer and um, and more thriving place for people to work, 
uh, with our operational team or our executive committee. It's about how do we create creative ways to be better at our business, whether that's through efficient uh, work, uh, whether that's through being being smarter with technology or smarter with process. Um, but in my role, it's I think it's a lot about creating opportunity for for our team at LS3P to be successful and to serve our clients in the most uh, creative, efficient, fast, and smart way. And that's what gifts me up every day, right? Um, it's this idea that the success of others is my success. And yeah. it's hard to beat that, you know? I mean, you, you could say the same about uh, if you have children, about your children. You want your children to be succeed. How do you set them up for success? And then let them take off and grow. Uh, that's what gets me excited about. Yeah, uh, I love that. The- so being you're inspired by the, the success of your teams. Yes, And, and trying to create them. And, and, and it really just hit with me, like, think, and, you, and if you're a leader and you're kind of struggling with that or you don't, that doesn't resonate with you, go with what Mark said. Think about, like, if you have kids, because we're all trying to help our kids along. <laughs> Hopefully, most of us as parents Hopefully. are trying to help yeah. them foster within them something great um, and help them reach, you know, whatever potential they have, you know, you know in, in whatever direction they're heading in. But think about that for your team. I also liked what you said. What do you do when you lose a project? Well, you don't dwell on the loss. You think about what's next. And as a leader, you may have to help your team think about that. They might be down, but really inspire them about the future. I do think that's a real responsibility of leaders. Uh, So what advice? So thinking back to your irrigation days, or maybe thinking about uh, to that intern day where you got that no from LS3P, which cracks me up. What advice would you give? your younger self today? If you'd I run. think take, I think take more risks and, hmm. and I don't, and, and I'm not suggesting, you know, uh, to be irresponsible, but to take more risk in um, growing yourself, uh, jumping into opportunities that present themselves and maybe being bold with how you might respond to those opportunities, hmm. stretching yourself a little bit more, getting outside of your comfort zone. Oftentimes when, when we do that, the results of that are pretty phenomenal. And we hmm. when we stretch ourselves and think outside of the box or think outside of our comfort zone, this idea of getting comfortable being uncomfortable, we often um, tap into our inner inner creativity. We tap into um, hmm. some energy that maybe we didn't think we have. And we can create some pretty amazing solutions. And um, And so when I think about my career, and I've been very lucky and blessed in my career, but could I have taken some bolder action on a design project, design opportunity with a project? Or could I have um, been a little more aggressive with developing a relationship with a potential client versus, versus um, being a little more timid or letting letting time sort of work itself out? Um, I, I think that's really the lesson for me um, is, is boldness, but, but calculated risk and, and, um, and being smart about how to get comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. So I, I love going down this road of creativity because obviously a lot of what your company brings is creativity and, and innovation in your designs. However, there are constraints in architecture. Are. And I mean, y'all, y'all for the listeners and Mark, you, I bet you could elaborate on this. We're in Charleston, South Carolina, and I know your works in many states, but we have one of the most, we're like, we're in a seismic region. We're in a flood, hurricane. We pretty much have every natural disaster potential out there. And you've got to think about that when it comes to design. So to think about boldness in your firm and creativity, how do you 
talk about that or think about that in a world with so many constraints that you have to create within? Well, it's a good question. And I I would start with get the fundamentals right. You know, we have we have a to use your analogy, we have a building code uh, that helps architects and engineers and designers develop the minimal solutions to mitigate seismic issues, wind issues, flood issues, uh, accessibility issues, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So Mm -hmm. get the fundamentals right. And whether we're talking about designing a building or or pursuing um, a career opportunity, get the fundamentals right. And then secondly, our clients often ask us for a solution that they think will best fit their needs. Mm-hmm. And I think at the very um, least, we have to we have to meet them there, right? We have to show them how to achieve their dream of what their building could be or what their project could be or what their opportunity could be if we're not talking about architecture. The differentiator mm-hmm. is now can we show them something they haven't thought of yet? Can we bring some creative process or creative solutions to the table, which makes them have an aha moment and and think, this is why I want to hire this company, because they're not they're not giving me what I asked them. They're giving me what I asked them and they're bringing me some innovative solutions that I never could have thought of. That's the value of of what a good design firm brings or or any good professional firm uh, would bring to the table. And I'll share a story with Mm. you. We had a client. Uh, that asked us to um, design a building for them. And it was so many square feet and so many stories. And the budget was X amount of dollars for construction costs. And we gave them exactly that. And they were satisfied, but they weren't overwhelmed with enthusiasm about the design of the project. And we missed an opportunity there to, to not just show them what they asked for, but to show them something extra. Hmm. Um the, the the firm that showed them something extra ended up getting the commission, which also created a, a nicer, larger building and a project that cost more money. The, the, the owner was willing to pay more oh, for a creative yeah. solution, right? So there's yeah. a lesson learned in yeah. Uh, if you just give people what they ask for, you may not you may not be giving them um, the, the best solution, right? So mm. yeah, it's uh, reminds me of some Steve Jobs stories. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, somewhat related, Ben, if, if, if your supervisor asks you to do something, you can do it and they'll be satisfied. Mm -hmm. But what if you take the extra effort? What if you do a little more research? What if you apply some tools or technologies that take that solution to a different level? Your supervisor will be, um, not just satisfied, but, but incredibly uh, overwhelmed with appreciation about what you've done. Right. And, and that's how you grow in a, in any profession. So what are you guys doing? So, so that is more art than science, trying to think beyond that. And I, and I do 100% agree with that. In, in, in the leadership training work that I do, and even the podcast, we're like, how do we go beyond what they're asking for? So they are delighted w- with the results and surprised in, in a great way. Uh, when you're managing, you know, now you've got so many locations, what are you, how are you thinking about instilling this next year, the next year, next year? Because you can't just rely on the work you've already done. That's sort of your credibility right there, but you're bringing in new factors. You're trying to stay ahead. Yeah. Uh, how are you thinking about bringing everybody forward so they continue to on, on that success track there? I think a lot of that is about team development and also, um, and also continuing to attract really 
high performing talent. So mm-hmm. um, you, you, we set goals. We, we have a strategic plan that, that outlines goals for us over a five year period. We set annual goals. We set monthly goals. And to me, it's about making sure that the team around me and around my leadership team has the tools, the education, the professional development to continue to grow themselves so that they can address and meet the needs of the future. And uh, somewhat related to that, are they mm-hmm. doing the same with their teams? Are they are they um, uh, offering opportunities for their teams to continue to hone their craft? And mm-hmm. so, so much of about grow, so much around growing and um, and becoming better at your craft or better what you do year over year is about reinvesting in your people and making sure that they continue to grow. They have the best tools possible. They feel like they have a safe place for uh, to be successful and where they can take some calculated risk, if you will, and and be innovative in what they do. To me, that's how you continue to move forward in the future. If we do the same things the same way we've always been doing them, I mean, you know the answer to that, right? You're going to get the same results. So, um, so it's it's about always honing your craft, uh, making those incremental changes for exponential return. Um, trying to be more innovative in everything we do, trying to be smarter about a problem we saw last year in a different way next year. Um, It's it's all those kind of basic tenets of of business, like always doing things better the next time you do. Yeah. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So Mark, what's the one trait that you wish you could instill in every employee and why? That trait is gratitude and appreciation. Um, we, you know, our world changes constantly and we continue to have, if you will, kind of cultural revolutions uh, within our, our country and our world and even our companies. But keeping this idea of, uh, gratitude or gratefulness and appreciation uh, for what we have is really important. Um, I wake up every day thinking how grateful I am for the opportunity I have in my role, the fact that I have a job, and uh, the fact that I get to work with wonderful people. And I know times sometimes get challenging with the workload and and balance between family and work and community. And um, but having this idea of gratitude and appreciation at the forefront, I think helps us get over some of the challenges we meet every day and and every week and remind us that um, at the end of the day, uh, we're all pretty lucky people to be involved in the companies that we work with and uh, the people that we surround ourselves with. So gratitude and appreciation is something I I would hope to instill upon everyone um, in their careers. Yeah. And that's, that's a ninja skill to cure the blues, to cure disappointment, uh, even when you're not motivated. If you if you can turn the mindset, at least from my own experience, I, I can plug into gratitude. Yeah. Suddenly, I I feel different. It really shifts you, and and you really say, well, you know, hey, I can, and I love the fact that you listed out all these things that we can find gratitude in, even in difficult times, and so. Yeah, great one there to uh, share with our listeners. Thank you. And what's some of the worst leadership advice you've heard? I think um, 
something that used to always get under my skin was that, um, you know, it's all about timing. I would always hear that, you know, Hmm. you know, as a leader, you really just need to be um, cognizant of the timing. You know, it may not be ready for this or that person may not be ready for that. Hmm. Um, and, and I, and I, I think we make our own luck. We make our own success and it's not about time. It's about getting ahead of that in some ways. Um, I, I know that sounds kind of simple, but this whole idea that, you know, it's, it's always about the timing just doesn't sit right with me. So in other words, if they say the client's not ready, I'm going to contact them next quarter. Well, maybe you need to contact them right now. Like it's, it's, it's because it's the timing yeah. may be off, but it may be maybe they're making their decision earlier. That's right. Is that- it's 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 back to what I said earlier about um, maybe being a little more bold or taking risks. Um, there's no time like the present, right? <laughs> I know that's I know that sounds cliche, but to your to your point, if you wait for the client to be ready, the client's already thought about what they want to do. If you get ahead mm-hmm. of the client, you're instilling ideas into the client. And so, therefore, you're starting to drive uh, their opportunity to think about how they can be successful. Now, you're part of their solution before they've even thought yeah. about what they need to do. Man, so true, so true. And getting ahead of that, building that relationship is so important. And I think a lot of it, and, and I've seen this in companies too, where the more success they have, they start to become com- more complacent oftentimes with reaching out. They're like, well, they'll contact me when they're ready. They said they would get back in touch. Meanwhile, these you know smaller competitors, they're hungry. You know they're Absolutely. gonna they're constantly calling, they're constantly following up, and so I think there's there's probably a a real balance of having a large successful organization, but also keeping your team hungry. Absolutely, you know, uh, the best time to find new work is when you're at your busiest. Nice, I like that. So when an employee has a big idea. What's your advice on how they should communicate it to the C-suite? Great question. And um, one of the things I I greatly appreciate about our firm is that we have so many wonderful, smart team members that have really good ideas. Hmm. Uh, I hope that we are creating a culture and uh, an environment where people feel like they can share their ideas with leadership team and and our C-suite team. I think before they do that, it's very important that they bake the idea though, right? I mean, if you have a great idea, make sure you understand what's it going to cost, how long is it going to take to implement, how many people is it going to impact, and what's the return on that idea or or the return on that potential investment? Is there a monetary return? Is there a cultural return to the the people that you're working with? Is it growing a sector or growing a a market uh, that we want to get into that's geographic? Take that idea and fully bake it. Um, Do the research. Make sure that when you go to present it to another person, that it is solid. And then I would say test the idea with some other people. Uh, Mm -hmm. Find two or three people around you that you trust and test the idea with them. And then listen to their feedback, right? Because sometimes you're going to get feedback from testing that idea that may make that idea better. And then once that's all done, Take it to the C-suite and uh, and be be bold with why you think this is such a great idea. Show some data around the metrics I mentioned earlier, right? The financial metrics, the time impact, the people impact, et cetera. And then once that, I think if you do that in a, in a really thoughtful way, chances are you're going to get a lot of support from the C-suite. Once you get that support, 
then you need to be ready to implement it, right? Because don't have the idea and <laughs> hey, have the idea and be ready to champion that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I can, uh, yeah, I think that's where a lot of people stumble is like, this is a great idea for someone else to do. Yeah. But to think about, wait, is this an idea that I actually want to run with or not? <laughs> you may want to. Yeah. Because if you don't believe in it, then why would I believe in it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but what, what a great playbook. And I love it, especially coming from a, an organization that does so much with ideas and architecture and projects. And so people do have a lot of ideas. And I think really any industry, though, beyond the architecture world can also benefit from this. Yeah. And that could be that could be a design idea as much as it can be a policy idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Our board is a policy board. Yet we we um, often get some um, some great insight and influence from our team members that say, have we ever thought about this as a policy that advances our firm in this way and costs this much and will take this long to implement? And we, mm-hmm. and I think when you show up like that to a board, uh, then the board will take some, some real serious look at that and, um, and, 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 and take it through the, the motions. When's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Well, I um, w- one thought that comes to mind is um, pretty early in my career, I was I had the opportunity to help the the, the firm pursue a, a pretty large project, and um, we were fortunate to win that project, and it was a it was a game changer for us. Uh, and for me, as a young architect, I felt like I had a, a large ownership piece in that project pursuit, and uh, it was a lot of work. It took a, it took a large team to do it. And I was excited about it because the, I thought, well, this is going to be one of those career changing projects that I get to work on. And, uh, and, and it will really inv- advance my, my technical knowledge, my leadership knowledge, my project management knowledge. And what I found out shortly after we won the project was that um, I wasn't considered to be one of the team members on the, on the design project. Oh, so ouch. It was demoralizing, right? I mean, I had kind of poured my energies and my heart into the pursuit and the um, the award of the project, and I find out that because of timing, perhaps, <laughs> again, not a good way mm-hmm. to address things, um, that that it I just could you know I wasn't going to be able to be part of the project. It was a blessing in disguise at the end of the day because this project had a team of about twenty people working on it. As you can imagine, if you're if you're part of a large team working on a large building you're not designing the building, right? You're designing parts of the building. You're collaborating with other people. Um, you have responsibilities for maybe a floor or an apartment or the exterior of the building or the interior of the building or whatever. And um, what I found was because I wasn't working on that project, I actually had the opportunity to lead smaller projects and learn a lot more about the business of architecture, right? So as a young architect, I knew how... I had a pretty good sense of how to be a project manager, how to put together a set of design documents for construction, how to navigate the design space, et cetera. What I didn't have a great sense of was how do you write a proposal and negotiate that with a mm. client? Mm. How do you how do you negotiate a contract, you know, contract language and, and what are you willing to give up and what and what are you gonna die on the hill defending from a contract language standpoint? How do you deal with um 
challenges during the design process with a client that may not be about design, but might be more about um, what they want and they want it no matter what and negotiating those kind of things. And then once a project gets under construction, being uh, deeply involved in that process all the way to the ribbon cutting and the closeout and maybe even dealing with some things a couple months after the project's open that need to be tightened up a little bit. I got to do that on multiple projects that were smaller in scope, but I had the opportunity to be part of the entire uh, process from incep- project inception or even pursuing the project and negotiating the fee and the contract all the way through closeout, where some of my colleagues who were working on the large project were sort of stuck for four or five years on a pretty finite part of the building. So it was a blessing in disguise for me. And uh, I'm grateful for that opportunity because it allowed me to grow into into roles that I may have not had the opportunity to grow into if I had not had that opportunity to, to work on multiple projects soup to nuts. And so, um, it, it, but it's also a reminder that um, back to what we talked about earlier, it's easy to get discouraged when you don't get what you want or re- when you don't get what you thought you deserved. But you've got to look at the oppor- the other opportunity that might be ahead of you and make the best of it. And, um, you know, a huge lesson for for life and mm-hmm. for professional development. Yeah, you really identified another opportunity from that after that disappointment. And I think leaders can take a lot from the story, too, because you may have people on your team who are experiencing career disappointment in your company, on your team, and what can you do to help pull that together for them for possibility? And I love the way that you use that as an opportunity to get to go see a smaller project, but do the whole thing A to Z. And I mean, now you're in charge of the whole thing A to Z, (laughs) you know, with other people, of course, involved, but right. know, it's kind of like you were, uh, became the CEO that day of like your own little mini company going from point to point Z. That's exactly right. And and the layering of the relationship side of that, which was really important. So not only was it about project management and um, and design management, but also relationship building and trust with a client or multiple clients. And so I found them calling me back to say, hey, I've got another project. Let's talk about it. And, and that oh. to me is like, that, that's the pinnacle of professional success when the client calls you for the next one, right? I don't care what business you're in. That's the pinnacle to me. I love that line. It is the pinnacle. I got a chill here in it. So, <laughs> so, so Mark, starting to wrap this up here, what what are three success strategies that you'd recommend or, or that all employees need to understand right now? My favorite one is empowerment. Um, and that that is something um, that... I think leaders have to learn and also those that want to be leaders have to learn and demonstrate. And what I love about the the term empowerment is it's not delegation, right? Empowerment is really delegation with trust. When you think about delegation, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what to do, right? I'm delegating something to you, a task to you. What I love about empowerment is I'm giving you a goal to achieve and I'm trusting you that you're going to do it. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm giving you maybe a time parameter and, and maybe a budget depending on the situation, but I want you to take your skills, your knowledge and the freedom to reach that goal. What that does is it allows someone to grow in their own way. It allows them to navigate the process by which they're going to achieve a goal. It also allows the person that empowered that person to get out of the way uh, because you have trust in them 
and yeah. go do something else that you need to be doing that's that's important for you to develop, right? So this whole idea, the success factor to me is about understanding the value of empowerment and that it, it's multifold in terms of growing team members and also growing yourself. A, Man, a second that, one. Yeah, go, ahead. Go, go ahead. I just want to rough on that. I think that's big for all employees to grow in their career. I don't think, I think you can navigate and maybe the individual contributor level of your career without necessarily getting into that phase. But if you really want to accelerate and you want to work your way up the channel and run an organization, I don't think you get there without, without, without that key part of success or else you're going to burn out. You'll end up trying to do it all your own uh, and, and your turnover will be probably pretty, pretty rough because people don't feel like they can actually make a difference. And so, that's uh, right. yeah, excellent. What, that's right. What's number two for you? Um, I think effective communication. And I, and I say that a little tongue in cheek, because as I sit here speaking with you, I am not the, the, the best orator in the world. There's no doubt about that. But when I talk about effective communication as a skill or a value or a success factor, it's because communication has gotten so complex in our world. Right. We have we have this kind of communication that you and I are having today. We have a telephone. We have text. We have messaging uh, in, in, in different social media capabilities. We have email. Right. And there's probably others that I'm forgetting. But how do you effectively communicate using all those different media opportunities so that your message is clear, so that it lands well and so that it's heard and, and, um, and understood in the right way? Also, this is probably the first time that I can think of where we have four, maybe five generations of people in the workforce and everyone communicates differently and everyone listens differently and everyone um, uh, digests information differently at a different pace. And so understanding that effective communication is paramount to how you can help people understand what you're trying to say to how you can effectively empower people, to how you can communicate a, um, a problem or an opportunity with a client. Um, but it's about, and I don't have an answer. Like, like, it's not always pick up the phone. It's not always send an email. It's not always write a letter. Uh, but knowing that effective communication is important, right? I mean, sometimes that handwritten note is the best thing you can ever do. And, and I, hope, I hope your audience still does that. I, I write handwritten notes every week because it's the right kind of communication for that opportunity, right? Um, emails should not be text. Letters should not be emails, right? And so there's all these you, things that, that are challenging. And that, so how do we hone yeah. as leaders, how do we continue to hone the craft of communication? Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. really important. You, I, So I'm really glad you explained that on what you meant by effective communication. Because I think you're hitting something real. You're, you're really, really nailing it there. So the, it's a conversation leaders need to have with their teams, you know, based on the opportunity. Like you say, you may do it, use a handwritten note. I mean, a lot of a lot of people do not do that, but I'll tell you what, if you go visit one of your uh, suppliers or one of your uh, customers and you walk into their office, you might see your handwritten note up on their bulletin board, whereas you might see all the emails you sent, you know, in, in their email trash. So right. it's, you know, it's a, it's a matter of, uh, you know, one of the tools that I use sometimes is Postagram. I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's an app on your phone 
and you can take a picture and you just upload it with the person's address and you and you type in a little note and they put the picture on a postcard and they just mail it and it's amazing to me uh with with different companies that i've worked with how that's the thing sometimes they'll mention to me you know not the book i mailed to them <laughs> it's right. the postagram picture of the two of us or something like that so absolutely but i think having that conversation on what is the most effective way for people to do their job is it internal when you're when you're internal are you texting are you instant messaging on so using slack or email how are you interacting with your, with your customers and have a, or a thoughtful, effective communication strategy uh, for the moment? And what's your, what's your I'll, third one there, Mark? And, and, and I'll just, let me just add yeah. one more thing to that. There's nothing better than a, than a conversation. There is nothing better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much can be lost in context, even over yes. zoom yes, or, or, or teams and being in person, having a conversation is uh, it might be the ultimate competitive advantage Yes. Come on board. Absolutely. So um, my third, pardon me, my my third success strategy is that your value is what you contribute, not what you promise. Um, I'm a big believer and 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 I'm showing a little bit of my father here, but I'm a big believer in do the good work and the good work will go noticed, right? Mm-hmm. And um I think a lot of uh, a lot of cultural changes in our world and our profession are about people thinking that their value is X because they have a certain education or they've read a bunch of books or it's um, it's a promise mm-hmm. of what I could do for you based on what I think I know. But there's nothing better than showing the results that you've had through your work. And so um, I, I just think that's still an important success factor in that um, show me your value by contributing and contribute at a high level. Right. Hmm. But but don't tell me how good you think you are or uh, the things you think you can do. Uh, just do it. Show me. Yeah. Especially in your field. <laughs> I mean, your design X, Y, Z. Well, what what's the previous work that you've done? And that's probably a big part of what you guys do, too, is when you go into me with a client. Right. You're 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 showcasing your. Uh, you know, your your street cred right there. And it's kind Absolutely. of funny on social media, there is a tendency to talk a lot about weighing in with opinions and what people could do and what they, you know, but, but the, but the street cred of what you've actually done sure does make a big difference. And so Mark, uh, man, we have covered so much today and thank you for your time. Um, just wrapping this up here. What's your parting thought for listeners? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> the final question, unless no, I'm just kidding. It, it should be the final one for us today. Don't tug on Superman's cape. I don't know. <laughs> Who Jim Croce? Don't yeah, spit in the go, wind. Croce. Don't tug on. Yeah. The, I love it. Yeah, that Jim Croce is a great person to wind this up with. My mom <laughs> I don't want to wind up with that guy. <laughs> I, I guess a good parting thought, Ben, is that. Um, you know, we're all in this together, uh, whether it's your company, your family, your professional organization. Um, it you, you know, you, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, the talent you're able to build, uh, the, the, the pastors, if you will, that you're allow, allowing your your employees to thrive in. And um, and my hope is that people will understand that um, everybody has great skills, but not everybody has the same great skills. 
nor does everybody have all the skills to do everything. And so we have to leverage each other. We have to leverage the talent within our organizations or in our communities to solve big problems. And when we realize that it's not about us or me and it's about we, um, then that's really important. And um, that's something that I um, I try to instill in, in, in my colleagues every day. It's it's we, not me. It's um, it's us, not I. And we're better for it when we can share our talents across the spectrum of the great talents we have in our firm. Well, thanks, Mark. Thank you. Enjoyed it. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.